The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Morgan and I'm your host. It is Thursday, July 28th. If you are listening to the podcast in audio form, we are also a video podcast. We are live on YouTube um, frequently, almost every day at 1 o'clock. Sometimes at 109, sometimes at 209, as is the case today. If you're watching, it is Wednesday, July 27th. And joining me to talk some Pats, to talk a little Julio Jones, and then to break down the AFC South. Tyler Sullivan, a.k.a. Sully, what's up, buddy? How are we what's doing? What's going on, Will? Thank you. And, and as you noted, we did move this a little bit because I was at Patriots training camp, so thanks for being flexible for me, bud. I, I don't care. I actually did log in at 1 o'clock. I was like, oh, wait, no, it's 2. <laughs> I was like, sweet. That was, the, that was the time you were – that was when you were on time? You could just say yeah, that. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I was like – and I was like yeah. – I actually was like two minutes late. <laughs> so, I was like, wait a minute. Oh, I'll be on time at 2. I was like, nah, probably not. Um, it, the problem is it's like I I, I – I think my biggest problem with like punctuality is, and I know, and like I'm aware of this, but that's, that, that didn't help me at all. For, um, is that when I, I think that things take, I, in my brain, things take less time than they actually do. Yeah. Like okay. in my brain, I can stand up out of my chair at 159 and like, and then I'm like, oh, I need a water. Or, you know, like, I'm like, oh, like, oh, I need, my, I need a hat. I need my water. And, you know, I need this. And like, the, you know, and I, and that's, uh, you know, but yeah, you know, so I'm, I'm also like, oh, I can get here in 90 minutes. But in reality, you sometimes, you know what I'm saying? Like that's, right. that's my, that's my, I think that's my biggest fault. And so I recognize the fault. Um, I'm not going to do anything about it, but. <laughs> change it first day. <laughs> right. I'm not going to alter my approach, but I am aware of, of what's going on. And that's at least something, right? It's like Bill Belichick. Uh, so you were at, Pat, you were at Pat's uh, training camp. Uh, what's, how's the weather up there in, uh, in Boston? Hot. I was just telling Debo. I, I totally it, – it's been hot. It's been, like, unseasonably hot up here, like 90-something degrees uh, over the weekend. It was, like, almost getting to 100. It was very, very hot. 
but it was kind of cooling down. And uh, I checked, you know, my phone. It was gonna be like seventy something degrees this morning. I'm like, sweet, all right, I'll wear it. I'm wearing exactly what I wear, like a golf polo, and I'm wearing khaki pants. I was dying. It was really? so hot. Oh, you're not out there. Just wore pants out there. I. It was unbelievable. People were like, you know, just dressed like they were going on the beach. I'm like, sweet. I'm like, I, I would, yeah, I, I for, camp, for camp, I'm showing up in a in a polo and like a like a. What you gotta get is like a like an actual golf shirt. Yes. Just wear a golf shirt out there because the sweat wick, the sweat wicking is just. So much easier, and then and then shorts, or you could even do what I do. Like I don't wear, so I, I wear all I wear now is golf shorts. So so they have us like up on like a little bit of a hill, right right overlooking the practice fields. The veteran move was uh, our buddy Tom Curran. He had like a beach chair going. He was he was locked and loaded. I'm like Tom that's, that's Tom, a, Curran, Tom doesn't play around, man. That's a guy who knows who's been there once or twice. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, how many? Yeah, I mean, how many times has he been to that? Weekend? Uh, it was cool. Um, yeah, so that, that's cool. Um, I, I've, got, I've got a couple uh, specific questions about Patriots camp. Yep. Um, I don't want to belabor this point, but I do want to ask about it because I heard Matt, I saw a quote from Mac Jones essentially saying that that Bill Belichick, Matt Patricia, and Joe Judge have all been very involved in the offense, and that Bill has a uh, has a, a, a plan for the or I can't remember what the exact word was, but Bill has a plan for the offense, and that. Um, so I can find it really quick. And that um, also that it's a simpler offense. So I'm just curious, like, what what were your main takeaways? Because, again, we we mentioned this um, a lot during, you know, on, on Monday. I think we talked about it for like 20 minutes. Uh, you know, what, what, what was your main takeaway from sort of the what those um, – what those the various people involved in the offense had to say about it? Yeah, and so, so let me break it down for you like this. When – they started when they got on the field and they started, you know, camp is started. Everybody's stretching on one side. The quarterbacks are warming up on the right side. You had Joe Judge lurking around where the quarterbacks were warming up, you know, working on footwork, throwing and all that stuff. Joe Judge was firmly in that mix. They're talking with Mac Jones, Zappy, Brian Hoyer, all those guys. And then eventually, once they started getting to team drills, you did have a very, you know, present Bill Belichick on the offensive side. And then when you got a little bit more to the competitive stuff, Matt Patricia was wearing a walk gear, was using like a walkie-talkie, seemingly talking to Mac Jones in his helmet, calling plays. So from how we see this, it looks like Mac Patricia, with a heavy dose of Bill Belichick kind of lurking over things, mm -hmm. was calling the plays while Joe Judge was the quarterback's coach. If you, if you kind of you know work its way down that way. And so Mac Jones did talk about it, saying that, you know, doesn't really matter who's talking. They all come with different voices, but it's kind of all, you know, it's just they all got a good rhythm to how they're presenting the offense, and it's a united type of thing. So it did feel like there was some cohesiveness. Again, day one, first practice, no pads, no contact or anything like that. But it did seem like it was a little bit more streamlined where it was Bill Belichick having a, a heavier hand or at least a heavier eye on the offensive side. Matt Patricia calling plays seemingly and then Joe Judge specifically working with the quarterbacks. Okay. So I like that. Um, I think, I, I mean, uh, again, I, I don't know if I'm going to be right about this offense or not, but I that was sort of what I thought might be happening. It's like Belichick is going to, he's like, crap. I I haven't had another offensive. I haven't had somebody else running my offense in, in I mean, what, a de I mean, a decade? Yeah, long time. Yeah. So I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe a little bit less, but whatever. It's been a long time since. Uh, yeah, it's actually probably about, I mean, close to 10 years, right? Because McDaniels, I think, um, yeah, anyway, yeah, I mean, it's been close to 10 years. And I think he is worried about the idea of Matt Patricia running an offense. I think he thinks Matt Patricia can, su can successfully call 
pretty scripted plays. I also think that the, when you hear Mac Jones say that the offense is simplified, it's going to be faster, going to be simplified. I think it's simplified for Matt Patricia. I don't think it's simplified for Mac Jones. Yeah, it's possible. Again, you know, Kendrick Bourne was talking about it. Uh, you know, Trent Brown was also talking about it. A simpler offense. They were talking about it with a little bit more emphasis on speed. You know, just trying to have a a faster offense right from the jump, getting to the line, getting off the line, all that stuff. So, and that was a big, you know, flaw of the 2021 Patriots. They just weren't fast enough. That was personnel and, and everything. There was a number of times there where, you know, Mac Jones, the play clock's running down during his rookie year, and he's kind of having those rookie growing pains where the clock runs out. You're either taking that penalty or calling a timeout and kind of, you know, burning one of those. So I think it's kind of a combination of all of that. Getting faster is just a general theme of the offense, but I there is absolutely something to – you know, you can't run this, you know, Julian Edelman is called the, you know, advanced calculus at some points during his career, the Patriots offense. You can't really do that when you have a second year quarterback and a first time offensive play caller, yeah. whether that be Matt Patricia or Joe Judge. Yeah. And I mean, like Matt Patricia has been a defensive coordinator his whole yeah. life. It would be a, it would be a weird thing. Uh, talk to me about Ramondre Stevenson and uh, Damian Harris. I, th I think I saw something where Stevenson might've even been with the ones and was, was uh, getting a lot of pass catching action, which I think is certainly interesting for fantasy folks and, and, and anyone who's looking to gamble on some season long props. Yeah, no, I mean, I think again, it's you, you get first day and all that you're getting all those guys in pass catching routes. It's not necessarily anything crazy in, in, in for, for running back specifically, you're, next week's really the week. You're talking about legitimately, you know, you're, you're playing flag football right now. It's not necessarily what you're going to see. To me, the bigger takeaway in terms of, like, fantasy, if you want to, like, look at something along those lines, was it was a good day for Devontae Parker. A really good day oh. for Devontae Parker. He had a couple of really nice end zone catches from Mac Jones with coverage. That he had, a, he had a big day. That, to me, he was the standout. He was getting the crowd fired up. Like, it was... It was a very interesting, um, you know, introduction there for for Devontae Parker. A bigger body, clearly, he just looked like the biggest guy in that receiver room, and he was clearly a red zone threat. When they were doing those red zone plays in the more competitive kind of um, sessions, he was a huge factor. I think he had a, a touchdown over. I think it was Jalen Mills and Jack Jones, the rookie. Yeah. So he had a couple of big plays there, and he was it was from Mac Jones. It wasn't like Brian Horry was slinging it to him. There was some. Some quick chemistry between those two. So that one. That's, that's huge for them. If, if we're talking like fantasy sleeper, day one type of stuff, Devontae Parker was a winner. Okay. Um, interesting. How did, uh, how did my boy Jacoby Myers look? Uh, good. Same old, same old. Yeah. You know, again. Very reliable. Right. You're running, you know, you're running, you know, you're running routes against, you know. Air. Ran, random in the air. Right? Uh, yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. There are competitive sessions and all of that I, he might have got a touchdown but to me parker was the one parker stood out, out more than okay yeah i mean that's interesting because he was such a cheap acquisition this offseason yeah. like they just haven't i mean jacoby's been great but they haven't really had you know, mac mac jones needs a, a potential stud to, to grow with and Devontae parker i mean was a former first round pick like if you need yeah i mean you know if he can stay healthy he can maybe be that that big body guy in the red zone that they've been looking for so i mean like that's that was an encouraging first step for him again you know, we're still figuring it, you know, it's still, still all very, very new. But to me, you know, the, the takeaway from the offensive side, uh, you know, in terms of the skill positions, it was Devontae Parker. Okay. Any, any, any other uh, takeaways? I'm so sure I'm sure you have a write up for I'm, I, I'm in the process of doing it. So we'll have a, you know, a observations. You and I'll have a right now if you didn't have to do this podcast. <laughs> yeah. But I like doing, I like talking to you. So this is, this is easier. And so um, we have uh, on the offensive side, you could also be like, hey, sorry, I have to do the podcast. I can't I can't right. turn this around right away. Exactly. 
the, the other big takeaway um, on the offensive side, it was something that we touched upon when we did the AFC East preview during this, and we, you know, those burning questions for training camp. Mm-hmm. What was the tackle situation going to look like? Was it going to be Trent Brown as the left tackle like we saw earlier in the spring, or was Isaiah Wynn going to go back to that familiar spot that he played last year and basically has been that left tackle guy ever since he's been drafted when he's healthy? And it stayed the same. Trent Brown was the left tackle, and Isaiah Wynn was on the right side. That seems like that's going to you know stay the same. I don't think that this is a building for depth and building versatility thing. I think that Trent Brown right now is the the left tackle. He said, you know, it feels familiar. It feels like home. I think he said, you know, to quote him, you know, to paraphrase what he said. So, you know, that's a significant change. He, he's obviously been the left tackle for the New England Patriots before when they won that Super Bowl. Uh, against the Rams, so it's not like it's you know a complete change, but you know a notable one there, especially when you have a first round pick, you know that was earmarked to be that left tackle and now moving to right tackle. Yeah, yeah, certainly. I mean, that's a that's definitely a big deal. Um, okay, let's. Uh, oh yeah, Julio Jones signed with the Buccaneers. I think we actually mentioned it at the back end of yesterday's podcast. Um, I mean, a scale of one to ten, how's that move the needle for you? Um, I think it's you know. I, it's it's however much oh, Odell Beckham hours. moved. Oh, okay. So more than that. All right. So however much Odell Beckham moved it, I guess. You know, you, you're you're adding on to already a Super Bowl contender. But if you get Julio Jones from like 2019, you're talking about maybe like Antonio Brown 2.0, where it's like, okay, this guy's just fantastic, and we have this unbelievable weapon. It's it's depth for obviously Chris Godwin coming back from the from the torn ACL. He's not on PUP, so at least that's you know positive signs all around for the Buccaneers wide receiver room. But if you get Julio Jones, not obviously prime, you know, Atlanta Falcons, Julio Jones, but that last year in Atlanta, you're next talking about last year, next to last year. 2020 was bad for Julio in Atlanta. But, okay. Uh, so, yeah, he, 20, he, yeah he 2019 he, is what I'm saying. He played nine, yeah, 2019, he had 13 yeah. well, I mean, yards and six touchdowns. Yeah. I mean, even if you get 85% of that, you're, yeah. you're, you're thrilled about what you're getting. So, and again, just makes Tom Brady an absolute, you know, weapon for fantasy, possible, you know, top, you know, clear top 10 guy, top five quarterback. Um, so for me, you know, it I just makes them that much deeper. About, I just can't stop thinking about how like miserable he was um, in Tennessee last year. Like maybe, maybe just maybe hated it. I mean, he was an active, I mean, he didn't play in seven games. I guess he did have one big game early on in the season against Tennessee. It's six catches for 128 yards. I kind of forgot about that. You know, it's it's going to be one of those things, though, with Julio, too. How long is he actually going to be on the field for him? Yeah. You know what I mean? Durability is a major concern. So absolutely sounds great. It's kind of like a Madden, you know, everybody's loading up and you're just, you know, you're creating this fantasy team at the wide receiver position. But, you know, let's see how long this actually lasts. And, and yes, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and Julio Jones sound fantastic. But one's coming off an ACL. The other one in Julio Jones is a veteran that's really struggled over the last few years and struggled to stay healthy for a large part of his career, too. And uh, also, we should also point out that the 49ers, I think maybe I even said this at the end of yesterday's podcast, too. So, again, I'm sorry if it did. We, you know, we do a lot of podcasts, a lot of news. Um, I'm not apologizing to you. I'm apologizing to, to it, listeners. Um, 49ers committed to Trey Lance and said that they're, you know, they're not, Jimmy G's not going on the PUP. He passed his physical, which, like, yeah. They're trying to trade him. Of course, he passes physical. He could have like his leg could be dangling off to the side. They're like, yeah, Jimmy's great. He's great. Good to go. Um, do you think it's a, it's a smart play by the by the Niners here? I'm, I'm a little surprised. I thought they might be a little more. I, I think it's smart to commit to Trey Lance. I thought they might try to sort of um, 
have their cake and eat it too with Jimmy as a possible backup, but clearly they want to try to move on. Yeah, no, I, th- I think you kind of have to cut the cord at this point, you know, where it's like, listen, we're not trying, like, because I think that there was a conversation when obviously Garoppolo was injured and, you know, that derails any sort of trade talks over the offseason a little bit, but there was that like, well, is Trey Lance any good? They still have Jimmy Garoppolo. Are they hanging on to him for reasons other than that they can't trade him? Does Trey Lance stink and we don't know? This is a very clear-cut sign. We're not turning back. This is our guy. We're very confident in what he is going to be. It's just we have this other quarterback that we're still trying to figure out, but we're very much saying it's totally different. It's totally Trey's separate. Which, guy. Trey is the guy. This is Trey's team. And, and, which and is fine. Yeah, yeah, I think you have. Yeah, you don't want to sow any doubt going to training camp with Trey. Lance. Right, and if you're trying to like you know screw around to try to raise his value and anything like that, I just I think you're asking for more trouble than than anything else because Trey Lance already has a ton of pressure on him. He's replacing a guy when healthy can take a team to a Super Bowl, yeah. and this franchise just traded a boatload of assets to acquire this guy and move off of that quarterback so you know you have to make it a clean break and if you're talking about Garoppolo's future you know we are rocketing towards uh are they just gonna cut him because I don't know that's what I was about to say it's like they I think they basically said they're gonna cut him if if he's still on the team um like we're heading into week one because they free up $24 million in, in salary cap space. And I think everybody in the league, know, I think that's one of these things. Everybody in the league knows that they don't have to give up any assets. Seattle can just kind of wait there and say, all right, well, we'll yeah. figure it out. And, you know, in I the mean, meantime, yeah, everybody can sit there and wait. And then, and, 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 you know, it ends up to Jimmy where he wants to sign and maybe it's Seattle where he gets revenge against the 49ers. But yeah, yeah, it's a good point. Um, all right, let's uh, take a break. When we come back, we'll answer AFC South burning training camp questions next. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride-or-die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. We start with the division favorite in the AFC South, the Indianapolis Colts. Cody Benjamin penned this piece. That's okay. Well, um, and unlike, uh, I don't want to name any names, but unlike Jordan Dejani, uh, Cody, <laughs> just kidding. We, we love Dejani. But uh, Dejani, like yesterday, I was like trying to like fashion like uh, Cody asked three questions for each team. Tajani like had three like the like three things, which is totally fine. It's just not a it's not a burning it's not a question. It's not a burning question. It's a burning statement. 
It's no, but it'd be like instead of phrasing it as like who's playing left guard, it'd be like the left guard. Oh. <laughs> it's, just, it's just like you just don't get credit for answering it. Like like on Jeopardy, basically. It, well, it's uh, that too, but it's also like um, when Dwight and Jim throw the birthday. This is it is your birthday. It is yeah. very out there. Yeah. Well, it's just it's, it's like um, it's a it's, statement of fact. Yeah, left yeah. It's just, left guard is an issue, and 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 there's nothing wrong with that. Um, the um, first question here. How much does Matt Ryan have left? I think that's a fair, good first question. Um, you, you know, Matt Ryan, they traded for Matt Ryan this offseason, and people are, you know, in, you know, we talk about Julio Jones, like, you know, that 2020 season with the Falcons. I mean, the Falcons haven't been good for several years. So, as such, um, you know, people, and, and I think you and I talked about this too, maybe, but uh, people don't like to like Matt Ryan. Yeah, there's a little something there, whatever it is. Nobody, nobody gets excited about Matt Ryan. It, it, well, um, it's, it's you know he's he's very old school in in his sense statue quarterback statue quarterback he's very vanilla yeah has has had you know has obviously had his, you know he won the offensive rookie of the year and won MVP but it's only been in like three Pro Bowls four Pro Bowls excuse me one all, all protein you know he's just he's just never been like a top three quarter you know he's never been I guess he was a top three quarterback when he won the MVP obviously but like yeah. you know what I'm saying like even even then it's you know you have Tom Brady beats you have just he never. There was never a chance of him like cracking the upper echelon of guys that we talk about, like a Matt. I mean, like a, a Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers. You can say it like this. Even with his MVP season, you can even count it. Then he's never been the first pick when you ask the question. I'm going to start a franchise. Which quarterback am I picking? He's never I really never, been. He's never, never never been that guy. And I think that that that's kind of what we're getting at. Yeah, I mean, it, it, the MVP season feels like the outlier more. It, it, right, people, people, right. Nobody, nobody, and so I think people are down more down on Matt Ryan than they should be. You know, he still completed sixty-seven um, percent of his passes last year for almost four thousand yards. First time he didn't hit crack four thousand yards since two thousand ten, by the way. And you know, doing on a seven ten team, they they just haven't they've been below five hundred for the last four years. And when that happens, you tend to slide a little bit more into obscurity. Um, yes, he is thirty seven. Uh, I still think he has two good seasons left in the left in the tank, and so uh, I'm a little bit higher on Matt Ryan. But I mean, I think the question is is very much worth asking because it you know if he doesn't have a lot left in the tank, it's going to be tough for the Colts this year. Well, I think we look at it kind of with a little bit of like recency bias, where it's like, oh, veteran quarterback is changing sceneries. He's going to be great. It's Tom Brady. It's Matthew yeah. Stafford. It's Russell Wilson in Denver. Like I think we're looking at it kind of like that and saying, okay. We're looking at the ceiling. Yeah, there's there's a scenario where he just kind of looks a little past the past his prime, looks a little old. Maybe he doesn't reach the heights that we think. But at the same time, we're not asking him to be the Matt Ryan, you know, prime Matt Ryan. We're honestly just asking him to be better than Carson Wentz was last year because mm -hmm. anything better than him in, in week 18 basically makes the playoffs. Like so, you know, there there is part there's part of that too. You don't necessarily have to reach your ceiling. You kind of just don't have to hit the floor that they reached last year at the position. But if it if the bottom does kind of fall out, it will be fascinating to see kind of how the Colts operate. Because you're talking about now, like, doing this retread quarterback thing for another year. Are you gonna, are you gonna be a Jimmy Garoppolo team next offseason? Are you gonna be a Baker Mayfield signed Jimmy G this season? <laughs> like, like, <laughs> I, you know, is that something that you? that you pallet just to kind of be that, that next, you know, trying to fix that quarterback that the, you know, the land of misfit quarterbacks or something like that. Like, sure. You could, you could try it, see what, see if it works. 
Or do you say, okay, now let's do it for real. Let's try to find a quarterback in the draft. That'll be fascinating to see if the bottom falls off. That's that's the route that they take. I agreed completely. Uh, which offensive line is going to show up? Interesting. The, the Colts were not as good last year. They've still got elite names, but are they still reliable is what Cody is wondering. I say that the good offensive line shows up. Yeah, I think so too. I think better quarterback play, strong running game. I think that that all kind of, you know, helps itself. I mean, listen, if Carson Wentz is holding the ball a little bit too long is, you know, you know, making poor plays, it's going to make everybody look bad. That's what, that's exactly what I, yeah, I was going to get the exact same thing. It's like, do you, it's like, what do you think? Do you think that the Colts magically just sucked on the offensive line? Or do you think that it's like Carson, you know, cause like Jonathan Taylor ran the ball fine. You know, they ran the ball. Well, if their, their pass protection just suddenly wasn't very good. Like, like if, like if Wentz misses, if Wentz misses his first read and holds the ball too long and gets sacked, is it the offensive line's fault or is it Wentz's right, fault? Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's correct. It, it is, it is Carson Wentz's fault, but the offensive line catches more flack for it. So yeah, for sure. I tend to agree that the good, um, that the good, that the good Colts offensive line shows up. Is there really enough out wide? Now, this is a good question. Yeah. For sure. Wondering, basically wondering about the Colts wide receivers. They don't even have T.Y. Hilton on the roster. No. No, I, I think I, I, there was something with T.Y. Hilton. Let me look it up really quick. I was just I was about to just say something, but I don't know if that's at all accurate. <laughs> Michael Pittman is, the, is still their one. Um, Alec Pierce, they added as a second-round pick, and they have Paris Campbell, who their former uh, – uh, Second round pick in 2019, who just really never developed despite being just an awesome player in college. Uh, Ashton Doolin, they, they like a lot. And um, they picked up Isaiah Ford and Kike Kute uh, this offseason. They drafted some other young guys. Um, you know, they have Melody Cox at tight end. But yeah, I mean, out wide, there is not a lot. Like it's Pittman. The, the, I, would, I, I would say there's not enough out wide, but. I think it's possible that there is enough given what they want to do on offense. Sure. And, and what, what we were saying about C.Y. Hilton, he's, quote-unquote, still in the mix to return the Colts. So, you know, leave that out for, you know, for whatever for, for whatever that's worth. But, yeah, no, I mean, for me, you know, it's Pittman, and then there's a lot of question marks. Alec Pierce and, and um, Paris Campbell, you know, haven't really – or Paris Campbell in particular hasn't been able to really stay healthy and, and, and be much of a factor. Well, he was a first-round pick, right? I think it was a first round pick too, but it's our lads has him as a second round pick. Let me double check. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Uh, no, no, because they they would have taken. No, he was. Um, they took. Uh, I thought. I swear, I thought he was a um, second round pick. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. But you know, again, someone who came in. Oh, you know, you know who? Um, you know he he was. Uh, it's the famous the famous 2019. Uh, Wide receiver draft. He's mm. taking two picks after JJ Ortega Whiteside. <laughs> two thirty. Uh, Devours that next call. That, that means he probably heard me talking about JJ, but he didn't actually uh, didn't actually hear it. Anyway, go ahead. Keep on, sorry. No, and so I was just saying that it was you know again hasn't been able to stay healthy. A highly drafted player. You would think that that would be someone who you could continue to build around, but it just hasn't happened yet. I'm surprised that this wasn't a Julio Jones team, to be perfectly honest. I mean, we've talked about it. You know, Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, meeting back up in Indianapolis, makes all the sense in the world. I know. Just never seemed to, you know, fit. Maybe they're, you know, this maybe this is an Odell Beckham team. Maybe this is when he gets healthy, the Colts realize, all right, you know, 
this, we don't really have enough here. Let's go out and get somebody. And if he wants to wait till he's full, you know, Odo Beckham, if he wants to wait till he's fully healthy and kind of gauge his market to see where the winds are blowing in terms of the standings and what gives him another shot at a ring, you know, Indianapolis might be one of those teams that could be in contention. I also think, and again, like just going back to it, like Carson Wentz last year, 516 passing attempts, Phillip Rivers, 543 the year before and Rivers in 20, or excuse me, Jacoby Brissett in 2019, 447. Like, even if you go back and look at 2018 with Andrew Luck, I mean, he had 639. But, I mean, it's, by and large, it is uh, Colts. Uh, Frank Reich doesn't want to try to cut things loose. You know, he, he and he, try, I mean, he's, he's known Phillip Rivers forever. He, you know, he, you can tell, like, he, you know, he didn't want to have this, um, you know, this team that just, you know, he he wanted he wants to run the football, trust his defense, and then and, and have um you know and just have his have his quarterback make smart decisions. So I, I think there's a very good chance that he's okay having minimal wide receiver. Like you have Michael Pittman as your true one, Taylor and Naheem Hines catch plenty of passes. Yep. And then you have you know you can kind of rotate some guys through on the outside. And you're hoping that Paris Campbell can still pop, um, even though um, certainly. Yeah, I agree with you. At this point, like you'd love to, you'd love to try to build around it, but it's it's, it's asking a lot. Well, the, the biggest thing is, and again, you know, the the Buccaneers. I mean, I think Todd Bowles even said this. We added Julio Jones for depth. We'd rather add it now and have him have experience in the offense than later. What happens if Michael Pittman gets hurt? What are you yeah. looking at? Yeah. You know, it's so you go sign you go sign JJ. That's what happens. <laughs> like you know, you're in a you're in a tough spot there. So depth wise, experience wise, ceiling, it, you're kind of in a tough spot. Oh no, I agree completely. Like I would like more on my on my roster, but like it's almost like the Titans last year. Where it's you and I know they added Julio, but they had AJ Brown. It's like man, they really don't have much, but it's like they do run the ball so much yeah. that they can kind of get away with it. Just sort of the style of play that they have. Uh, all right, moving on. The Tennessee Titans is Derrick Henry capable of carrying the load again? Can we get back to prime Derrick Henry, Sully? What do you think? I mean, it's certainly possible. I mean, the guy's, you know, he's a freak, you know, so it's like, all right, you know, this last year was the, you know, we've, we've often questioned this, this question or, or the, can he continue to carry this with this workload and when is he going to get injured? And is that going to be the moment where things start to go a little sideways in terms of him being the focal point of the offense? Missed time last year, was able to come back, you know, in kind of a freakish amount of time. He was able to play in, in that playoff loss to the Bengals. So, you know, it's not out of the realm of possibility that, you know, he's able to still be that guy and, and run the offense through him. But I almost do wonder if, if that's the best course of action. Like, do you really need to have him have 25, 30 carries in week three against the Texans? Right. Like, you know, I don't know if we necessarily need that. I think that they need to try to win in different ways. If, if all of a sudden you start getting in those throwing match, matches with the Cincinnati Bengals or the, or the Chiefs or, or the Bills, Derrick Henry's not going to do much for you. I mean, yeah, he can he can run for 200 yards, but when Josh Josh Allen and Mahomes are throwing it all over the yard, I don't know if that's the best course of action. So for me, again, I think it can be that way, but I think that they should continue to try to find other ways to win with Ryan Tannehill throwing the football more. And you go back and look at last year. You, know, you point out that you don't need to have the um, <laughs> you don't need to have like the early. I mean, he had 35 carries in week two against Seattle. Like, why? Yeah, he averaged, before he got hurt, he averaged was averaging twenty seven point four rush rushing attempts per game. He, there's no doubt that he can do it, and he can do it well. It's just 
do you really need it then? Do you do you need him to do that right there? Or can if if you don't trust Ryan Tannehill to win you those games, then we have we have a bigger problem than if can Derrick Henry lead the offense. Yeah, I mean, I'm even looking like like he against Jacksonville, they win 37 19, and you have 29 carries for 130 yards. Like, just why? How about how about 20? Like, they, like they, they, I just, he's such a freak of nature that they've never shown any inclination to like easing back his workload. And of course, he did come back and, you know, play against Cincinnati, have 20 carries for 62 yards, but that's not very effective, you know, in a, in a playoff game. Um, granted, against a good defense, but yeah, like, of course, he can carry the load. We just need to see a little more like load management here. Yeah, or an NBA term. I mean, there's just no reason for him to be carrying the ball that many times, especially early in the season, and when you know that you know you want to lean on him late down the stretch. It, it, I'm, I'm with you there. Um, next up, does Ryan Tannehill have adequate adequate weaponry? I, I would say I would say no. I I, I don't think so because he's not a he's not a quarterback that is considered to be someone who can elevate the rest of the roster. He's not an elite guy that you say, okay, we have a bunch of Bs and, and, and Bs and Cs at the skill positions, but because we have this guy under center, he's going to make them B pluses, A minuses, Bs. He's going to change all of that and how, how teams kind of view us. He's, he's not that quarterback. And so when you have a rookie wide receiver in Traylon Burks, who's kind of, you know, been off and on this offseason because of asthma issues, I think, is is what was the kind of thing that was keeping him off. Robert Woods coming off a torn ACL that's making his transition to a new team. Like we were just talking about with Derrick Henry, he, he was coming off an injury season. We don't want him to have that crazy workload. Right. The tight end position, it's not like Jonu Smith is there and he's what he was in Tennessee. It's Anthony Ferkser, I think, still, if, if that's if that's correct. I, I don't see that being enough. Yeah, they actually added uh... – Austin Hooper. Austin Hooper. Okay, but even okay, fine. But even still, I mean, not, I'm not like it's not like they added like Gronkowski or Kelsey or something like yeah, that. Prime like, Gronk or like, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I still don't think that that's enough to compete with what we're looking at in the AFC now. I mean, it's a it's a much more competitive AFC. All these teams that missed the playoffs: the Chargers, the Ravens. You know, all all of uh, who else am I missing? There's one more team that's obvious, but whatever. All <laughs> of the Broncos, the Broncos. That that was one. Yeah. You know. Those teams are going to now be in the mix, and all of those teams can throw it around the yard or have a dynamic quarterback that can win them games. I, I don't know if Tannehill, with the collection that they have right now, is able to do that. Yeah, I mean, it's like Traylon Burks is somebody who's going like being drafted high in fantasy because people because of like the opportunity, target it's volume, pure target volume. Is. Yeah, it's not because it's like he's a like a monster like like a prospect i mean it, it, some people even said he like might be more of a tight end or maybe even play tight end at one point um i love robert woods or bobby trees but you know he's coming off an injury and you know he is not you know he's like i i just don't see it like trading aj brown to me was insane i mean yeah. AJ brown was a monster in this offense and fit with what they wanted to do so well because he doesn't need a ton of tart like he, you know he's 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 it's not like he's efficient. He's just explosive with a, like a lower number of targets. And so I have, I very much have think that was, this is a good question about that. It was a head scratcher because, you know, you're, you're going to pay, you got to pay the wide receiver. The wide receiver position is just, it's that position right now that's booming. You got to pay it. Yeah. You have a guy that's proven in your system that can be a legit number one guy. I even would say still draft Burks. 
and you're cutting probably Tannehill next offseason anyways, oh, which yeah. means you have a rookie quarterback. So it's who cares if you're paying your wide receiver $100 million? Yeah, I, know, I know. It's like, sir, move on from Tannehill and go with Malik Willis and keep A.J. Brown. Like, if, you know. Um, finally, with the Titans, is there enough at cornerback? And we look here, you know, you got Caleb Farley, who didn't play much. Did he play like two, one game last year, maybe two games? He didn't play much at all. Christian Fulton, uh, both guys, uh, you know, Farley was the first round pick in 2021, Fulton, the second round pick in 2022. They added Roger McCreary in the second round uh, this year as well. It's not the deepest position, but if, and, and it's not the healthiest position. Um, and I think that's probably the biggest concern. They also have Elijah Molden as their, uh, as their nickelback and Shaheen Carter, who they grabbed. Well, anyway, um, they there's some talent there, and there's some high draft picks, but like if Farley doesn't stay healthy, I don't know if you got a whole lot there. It seems like there could be this team could, and, and that's the other thing. So you talk about what if the team team ends up in shootouts? Yeah, like, well, if you can't stop passing pass defense, you know, if you can't stop pass attacks, then it, you're going to need to be able to pass. And what you're going to be banking on is obviously, you know, Kevin Byard just you know, being that steward in the secondary and really kind of helping things out at the safety spot. But also, you're going to need your pass rush, to, again, to have a successful season. I mean, that's why you're re-signing Harold Landry. You have Jeffrey Simmons. Like, that's this is what you bring them in for, to make life a little bit easier for you. Because, again, if the quarterback has all day to throw, he's going to find the, the weak link in the secondary, especially if you might have two weak links at the corner positions. But if you're able to get after them and you have some help in the secondary with Bayard, you're, you're able to kind of maybe hide it a little bit better than usual. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely a, definitely a point of concern for the, for the Titans. I think that when you look at this, look at this roster across the board. All right, let's move on to the Jacksonville Jaguars where the top burning question, what is expected of Trevor Lawrence? I am kind of shocked at how down people are on Trevor Lawrence. Hmm. Like people, people are like, oh, well, I mean, this guy sucks. I can't believe he was the best prospect since Luck and 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 Manning and Elway. And it's like, and I understand it. Like he wasn't very good last year, but that team was so dysfunctional and stupid and terrible and bad. And and then you see, like he would every game he would have a couple throws where you're like, there it is. Like I think he's gonna be fine. How much do you put that on the logo on the side of his helmet? Just people uh, looking at it and being like, the the Jaguars, ah, oh, they screwed it up. Like you know. I, I do think that there's a little bit of that. Like if he was wearing a, you know, a, a, a Steelers helmet, you're like, they'll yeah. figure it out. He'll be fine. Well, it's also like, like, yeah, and like, yeah, you're right. It's it's like Urban Meyer. It's like if Urban Meyer coached the Patriots for like one year because Belichick was on a fishing hiatus or something. I'm just trying to think of. And like sure. they had Trevor Lawrence and he screwed him up, and then it was like Belichick's back and it's like get Trevor Lawrence. You're like, All right, he's going to be fine. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. I think that. You know, there's obviously the coaching standpoint. Now that you bring in Doug Peterson, I just because he's a, you know, let's just say he's a baseline average head coach, I think that's going to do wonders. I mean, wasn't there even, I mean, you know, people, you know, freak out about training camp stuff, no doubt. But I think that there was a report on Tuesday where he's like, he didn't miss a throw or something like that. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, course, yeah. so, like, you know, he's, he's still start, good. Start, yeah, yeah. He's, like, not, he, he's you, that year didn't break him. No. No, I don't think so. And so what do we expect from him, you know, going into this year? Like, I don't, you know, the MVP or anything like that. Like, obviously not. But can you show us a little bit of that, you know, those flashes that we saw, the couple of those throws? 
Can we get that for a game? Can we get that for you know a you know a series? Can we get that? I think we need to get a surprise a couple of weeks in a row. (laughs) Right. Can can you surprise, you know, all of a sudden it's like, oh hey, you know, Cincinnati went down to Jacksonville and they lost. It's like, whoa, what happened? Like, you know, something like that, where and it's because of Trevor Lawrence. Can you lift your team to victory? It's the exact thing that I was saying about Ryan Tannehill. Can you make all of the weapons around you better? Can you elevate? I don't think Tannehill can do that, but I think the promise of Trevor Lawrence is that he'll be able to do that. And so can you make that Christian Kirk signing that everybody's like, really spend all that money? Can you say, Oh, actually he's a, you know, top 20 receiver right now or top 15 receiver. So like, I think that what you want from Trevor Lawrence is that at the end of the season, when people are talking about who you start a franchise with, he's a top five guy. Yep. Which is not to say that he doesn't have to be a top 10 quarterback this year, but it's like, you know, right now it's Mahomes, Allen, well, maybe top top seven guy, I'll say. Burrow, Herbert. Burrow, Herbert. I don't know who is like who's who's after those guys. Hmm. I mean, it's not Mac Jones, right? It's not, not Kyler Murray. Murray. I'll tell you that much. No, um, probably, I mean, Lamar? Sure. Yeah. Lamar, I mean, yeah. I would. Yeah, yeah, I would too. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, like, I don't expect him to. So maybe top five is the wrong answer there, but I think tops like if top you're in the seven, conversation. If you're in that conversation, yeah. Like, believe, like, like right now, I think people would do it, but you're just banking on the talent and the pedigree of coming out of college. If there is legitimate NFL experience that you can point to to say, hey, no, listen, I, I'm choosing this guy and I feel really good about it, then I think you're on to something. I think right now, I mean, most people would, I think the average person might take like Mac Jones over Trevor Lawrence if you're starting a franchise. I don't know. It's possible. I mean, it, that would be very <laughs> recency bias. Well, for sure. But I mean, like, I, when I say average person, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I think he, he just he just needs to be he needs to be in that conversation of like, all right, well, like if this guy, if if they really take if he takes another step forward, then you know he's might be a top you know like I might be a top three guy I start a franchise yeah. with. Um, well, how will Travis, Travis Etn be used? Excellent question. This is what's interesting to me about Travis Etienne. I know that he was a you know really valuable weapon for Lawrence in the past, his passing game and all that stuff at Clemson. And you know we look at him as a, a factor in that regard too. But I almost do like I remember last, this time last offseason, everybody was making headlines because like Urban Meyer was saying, "Yep, we're going to put him in the slot. We're going to move him over here. We're going to move him over there," and it kind of gets everybody wild. He, he's, I mean, we've kind of come to realize that Urban Meyer didn't really know what he was doing. So like, let's. Let's pump the brakes on how much I think he's going to be a factor in those roles. He could just be a traditional running back it, with, with you know, pass-catching roles, like a James White and all that stuff. I don't know if we're moving him around like Debo Samuel or anything like that. I think he's just going to be used in more traditional roles. Yeah, I, I would expect that Doug Peterson, like he's going to catch passes out of the backfield. For sure. I think yeah. Doug Peterson will line him up and move him around, but he's not going to be this Percy. He's not going to be the Percy Harvin. But like last, yeah, but like, yeah, exactly. Because like last offseason, they were talking about him like exclusively practicing with a wide receiver. It's like it's a like, slot wide receiver, yeah. Like, well, like, okay, I don't know, but sometimes for sure that'll happen. I, my theory was that he may have hurt his foot because he was exclusively practicing, like trying new things. Going from being, like, he's like, all right, you're going to have to, you're going to have to play this. And like all of a sudden it's completely changed. So yeah, I mean, I, I am, um, I, I, I think Doug, I think Doug Peterson will, if you look at his history, man, I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't, he's not going to like Travis Etienne is not going to be his workhorse. Yeah. He's going to have a, a variety of backs u- utilized and he's going to, you know, get, get Travis Etienne out in space 
get him catching swing passes, make life easier for Trevor Lawrence. You know, use I mean, he'll slide him around, but I mean, he'll. Well, like, yeah, exactly. I totally agree with what you're saying. It's not like, let me clarify what I'm saying, I guess, a little bit. I think you're going to see a traditional kind of running back like that, where it's, you know, catching passes out of the backfield and all this stuff. I don't think it's going to be kind of what I feel like Urban Meyer was previewing last year, where it's like, we're just going to use him in a totally different way. He's going to be practicing with wide receivers. I think you're going to just see a traditional pass catching running back, which again is great for Trevor Lawrence because they already have chemistry from Clemson. Uh, and finally for the Jaguars, what's the plan for the new defensive toys? Uh, Mike Caldwell is, as Cody points out, is a first time defensive coordinator and he's got Trayvon Walker, Devin Lloyd, Floyd Loken. Um, who else did he grab? Who else did they add on defense? Are we forgetting somebody? I think we're forgetting a free agent edition. Yeah, because those toys, those are fine toys, but there's, you know. Maybe it's maybe it means uh, new toys for um for Doug Peterson and I'm trying to think who else they added. Rayshon Jenkins, maybe? Shaq Griffin. Yeah. Mm, yeah, okay. Yeah. Oh, uh Fatuski? I can't ever pronounce his name right. Anyway, they added a um they had, they had a, lot of, a lot of new defensive pieces, and they also have Josh Allen there. I mean, they yeah, you know, they got they got they got some players. Yeah, like it'll be curious to see if the defense can be any good, especially under a first year uh, defensive coordinator. The Trayvon Walker thing is interesting too because you know you had Aiden Hutchinson, Kayvon Thibodeau. Like, how will you know if Aiden Hutchinson and Kayvon Thibodeau are awesome, and Trayvon Walker struggles, it's going to be highly criticized because most people believe that the Jaguars should take Aiden Hutchinson first. I think that that's probably the bigger burning question. It's not how are they going to use all these pieces. Can Trayvon it's, Walker? It's just how is yes? Yeah, how is Trayvon Walker going to be? How is he going to look compared to his contemporaries? And let's not forget that you know. I mean, I think we talked about this in the podcast, but if not, I mean, I, I know this for a fact that um, uh, Trip Balky was pushing for Trayvon Walker. Ownership was pushing for Aiden Hutchinson, and Doug Peterson was pushing for Icky Aquanu first overall. So, like, if Trevor Lawrence is under siege, and Aquanu is dominating in Carolina, and Trayvon Walker is not producing, you know, that would be an interesting sort of um, way for things to unfold in terms of how the like like is Trent Bauke going to be worried about his job? Yeah, it's kind of the conversation we were having last year when Jamar Chase was going through all his drops during the preseason, and you're like, well, Joe Burrow just got the bag beat out of him. Why didn't you draft Panay yeah, Sewell? Yeah, yeah, and, right. and so it's, you know, obviously that ended up working out. And yeah, yeah, Chase Jamar is great. Yeah, of course, yeah. But, like, but let's say that continued and Burrow's getting beat up. Like, you know, that's the conversation that we're kind of previewing here. If, if all of a sudden, you know, Walker isn't doing anything and all of these other pieces below him are contributing in a way that the Jaguars could have utilized, well, yeah. then, yeah, you know. Certainly, that's going to be questioned. Absolutely. Uh, all right, let's move on to the Texans. God, this is just a thrilling division. Uh, what does Lovey Smith need to do to stick around? That is a rough out of the gates um, question, but it's probably not wrong. I don't know, man. I don't. Can they fire? Were they really fired a, a blackhead coach back to back years in, after single years? That's that's a tough one. That's tough. That's a tough. It's going to be a tough look. I mean, unless. I mean, I don't know. I mean, you know, who knows with that organization? I'm not saying like I mean, like that. Just with all the, the focus on the mi you know, minority hiring and improving, for sure. You know, the, you know, I mean, it, it would be the NFL would not be pleased. No, absolutely not. I mean, you know, clearly. And and for me, I think it's. I think you, we should combine that question and the second one on Cody's list 
because I think that they're the what same. Davis questions. Mills need to do to prevent a QB search. That's, yeah, that's fair. If, I think that those Lovey, are the same. If if Davis Mills looks good, Lovey Smith's probably not going anywhere. Exactly. And if you know, if both of those guys can have somewhat of somewhat success and can kind of figure out, and it feels like they have a a thing, somewhat of a connection, where it's like, all right, let's see what this looks like in year two of this. And Davis Mills is going into year three. Let's let's see how that looks. I think that these are one and the same. If all of a sudden Mills takes a nosedive and you know isn't as yeah, surprising you're gonna blame the head coach they're gonna move on and it's just it's all gonna crumble around but if all of a sudden they play well you're gonna say all right let's not let's not screw the screw around too too much here yeah I, that's that's a great point and he's it, it's, it's not like he's working with this like loaded cast i mean it's brandon cooks nico collins philip dorsett name. and, uh, and uh john michi off unfortunately missing the year because of leukemia year. Yeah, that's a tough spot. Um, Chris Michi, Conley, Michi. and then excuse me if I got that wrong. Michi, I think that's um, and then uh, and Brevin Jordan at tight end. I mean, yeah, with the Michi thing is it, it's a it's a you know obviously mostly concerned about his personal well being, but certainly a tough loss for the for a Texans team that thought he you know would be I mean, second round pick. I mean, I I, I bet him to win rookie of the year. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, just because it was like you know this team's going to be throwing a ton, you know. Um, they're going to be trailing. Well, you think they'd be throwing a ton. I guess Lovey Smith will throw a ton. I mean, you know, the point being is that, like, th- this is a team that should, in theory, be winging the ball around. And as such, you know, like these, like Davis Mills is going to get an opportunity to prove himself. Um, and then didn't finally, add it, didn't add anybody. I mean, unless that there is, unless they're a sleeper team for Garoppolo, which I wouldn't necessarily rule out because of yeah. who's running the organization with uh, Nick Casario, who drafted or was That's with the point. Patriots when they drafted Garoppolo in New England. And that's you know, like really maybe, the only place where where Jimmy G might be like guaranteed to play right away outside of Seattle. You know, that's outside of that, Davis Mills has this job. So I mean, if, yeah. if all of a sudden we're talking about Garoppolo in Seattle, then you know, this is Davis Mills gets a full year to show the organization. Honestly, this is what they should do. I don't even think they should go after Garoppolo because no, I agree. They should go with know, Mills. Let's see what this young kid has. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and finally, what is happening? What is happening at running back? Um <laughs> Texans just aren't very good still. Um, they have Marlon Mack, Rex Burkhead. They drafted Damian Pierce in the fourth round. So you have Dare uh, Agunobalale, whose name I, I'm not, I'm just, I didn't even try today. Uh, Royce Freeman, it's, it's not the sexiest running back room, but that's okay. Yeah, no, I mean, it's fine. We'll see what Pierce does, I guess, is, you know, maybe he's the young guy that kind of comes the most up. interesting one just because he's not yeah. old. I mean, Brookhead played well in a pass catching role. When, but again, he's a guy that has struggled, but with staying on the field. Same thing, really, with Marlon Mack, too, right? I mean, like, it's not like we're talking about the most durable pieces either. It's so, you know, it's. I think you're talking about a rookie kind of coming in here with an opportunity to take the bulk of the carries. Like, I don't think Royce Freeman with a str- like if everybody has an equal camp, I think you're giving the the, the carries to Pierce to see if he can blossom a little bit more. And then using everybody else in kind of that secondary or pass catching role. So for so me it's, again, it's like we were talking about with the quarterback. Like, I mean, what is the, like, what is the, um, like, what would be the point of not trying to get like the most out of these young guys? Right. Like, if all of it, like, like, let's just play the game here a little bit. If like Pierce is a feature back or like a solid running back, Mills has a good year. Okay, everybody's staying. Like that's you know you you have young pieces. It's working. You're doing. You know. You're developing. You can. You can make that case. Like this is what we're talking about in terms of keeping everybody for 2023. 
and preventing coaching and quarterback changes. If you can show you can develop young pieces like Pierce out of the backfield and Mills looks like he's on the come up, well, then the coach is keeping his job and, and the rest goes kind of down the line. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Texans, I mean, like you win, you know, you go out there to compete. Right. Y- you know, I don't think they care that much about winning because especially if you lose and Mills isn't great, you know you've got something possibly coming up in the um, – in the draft, although I will say that Pete Prisco thinks that Mills is going to end up being the second best quarterback from that draft class. He was very high on him, even going into the draft. He was yeah, one of one of his. Um, I forget what he called better, better than yeah, better yeah, than, better than yeah, his better than team. They're better than the scouts think. Because <laughs> I'm Pete Prisco. Yeah. All right. Uh, all right. That'll do it. Good show. Right. Great time, Sally. Uh, awesome. As always, a pleasure chatting. That's the AFC South. Uh, make sure you follow uh, uh, follow Sully at Tyler Sully. Tyler, Tyler Sully on Twitter, right? Yep. There you go. Uh, and read his story. It'll be forthcoming on CBSSports.com, breaking down all the nuggets and news and notes from the Patriots training camp. Thanks, buddy. Always a pleasure. For Sully, I'm Brenton. See you guys later. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.